Krishna, Krishna Krishna Hare Hare. Jai Vishupat Paramahamsa Parajakacharya Sotarasati Sri Srimad Avaichanaravinda Bhaktivedanta Swami Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai Vishupat Paramahamsa Parajakacharya Sotarasati Sri Srimad Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai Granthraj Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai So we're reading from Bhagavatam, 7th Canto, Chapter 8 the Lord slays the king of the demons. Verse 27. Tamanyamano nijavirya sankitam Yadastamukto niharim mahasura Punastam asajata kadgacharmani Pragrihya vege nagata shramomridhe Tamanyamano nijavirya sankitam Yadastamukto niharim mahasura Punastama sajjata kadga charmani Pragrisha vege nagata shramomridhe Yes, 
Andrés. But to a translation, <coughs> Tam Him, Lord Narsimadev, Manyamana, thinking, Nijavirya Shankitam, afraid of His progress, yet because. Hasta Mukta, freed from the clutches of the Lord. Nri Harim, Lord Narsimadev. Maha Asura, the great demon. Puna, again. Tam, him. Asajjata, attacked. Khadga Charmani, his sword and shield. Pragriha, taking up, Vegena, with great force, Gata Sharmaha, his, his fatigue having gone, Mride, in the battle. Translation purport by Shri Prabhupada. When Hiranyakashipu was freed from the hands of Narsimadev, he falsely thought that the Lord was afraid of his prowess. Therefore, after taking a little rest from the fight, he took up his sword and shield and again attacked the Lord with great force. Purport. When a sinful man enjoys material facilities, foolish people sometimes think, how is it that he, this sinful man is enjoying whereas a pious man is suffering? By the will of the Supreme, a sinful man is sometimes given the chance to enjoy the material world as if he were not under the clutches of material nature, just so that he may be fooled. A sinful man who acts against the laws of nature must be punished. But sometimes he is given a chance to play, exactly like Hiranyakashipu, when he was released from the hands of Narsimadev. Hiranyakashipu was destined to be ultimately killed by Narsimadev, but just to see the fun, the Lord gave him a chance to slip from his hands. Amagyana timirandasya gyananjana shalakaya chakshurun militam yena tasmai shri gurave namaha jai shri krishna chaitanya prabhu nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shivasadi Gora Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama Rama Rama, Rama Hare Hare
Hare Krishna. <clears throat> so we are continuing in the series of these uh, verses where there is a fight going on between Hiranyakashipu and Narsimadev. And, uh, and this fight is interesting. It's very similar to even the fight that happens between Varahadev and Hiranyaksha. And that fight is where, and both of these fights is, you know, sometimes there is, Lord is getting an upper hand and sometimes the, uh, the demon is getting an upper hand. And sometimes one, one person seems like Lord is winning and then other time it seems like the demon is winning. And it's so real that even the demigods, even Lord Brahma, they become perplexed and they become a little confused. What's happening? Is it, is it really true that now Lord is going to get defeated by the demon? Because he's really playing, he's really having fun, but he's not, you know, he, he, when he's having fun and when he's really fighting with these demons, you know, he gets fully involved in that character. And sometimes he likes to have fun. <clears throat> and so in that fun process, that's, that's what's going on at the moment, where Narsimadev caught Hiranyakashipu, but then he somehow slipped out of his hand, and now he's going to get back unto Lord. And even the demons are confused. What's happening here? How is it that Lord is not able to catch him and just kill him? <clears throat> And so now, um, so here in the purport is Prabhupada is explaining. Prabhupada is actually an interesting uh, purport, and it, Prabhupada is mentioning that, um, that sometimes when a sinful man enjoys material facilities, the foolish people think that how is it that this sinful man is enjoying and that the pious man is suffering? So, of course, uh, a foolish person doesn't have a very broad perspective and so you see that one person is enjoying and so he sees that all he sees is that he's enjoying right now even though he's doing something bad now or something negative or sinful right now what he obviously doesn't see is 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 the reaction from the past that he's uh, that he's enjoying now and his current activities will lead to a future set of uh, reactions but Prabhupada is, is uh, at least in my understanding, um, what Prabhupada is looking here is how the demon <clears throat> who seemed to escape the Lord's grip, it looks like um, in the same way just how the, the sinful man is, is losing the grip of the material nature and so he's not suffering. Even though he's acting negatively, it appears that he's not going through the reactions of acting negative. Just like the demon who is acting negative, but he is escaping Lord's grip. <clears throat> so someone who is not very intelligent, he might get very bewildered by seeing the situation that how can someone escape the grip of the nature? So how can someone escape the grip of the Lord and not go through the suffering? Is the nature not powerful enough to give them the set of reactions? Is Lord not powerful enough to get hold of him? and give him the punishment. <clears throat> but there's more going on than just what appears to be happening immediately. So we can see that it's a matter of time before a sinful man is going to get caught and get smashed. <laughs> 
So Hiranyakashipu is eventually going to get smashed, but for the time being, he's going to enjoy a little bit. So, um, I forget the name of this punishment, which is, uh, I think it's more sort of prominent in the medieval times, when there are certain, certain kinds of crimes which are very bad, and so part of the reaction is what the state government would give them, is they would, they would dunk them into the water until they're completely out of breath, and just about to die, they bring them out, and they get like a breath, and this, and you know, he's just, he's just, he's just, he's just finally enjoying that moment, you know, like because he's able to breathe, and as soon as he is able to breathe, back into the water, does anyone know the name of it? Water dunking? Yeah? That's the name of the punishment? Yeah. Water planing. Planing. Yeah. So there you go. So that's, that's the... <clears throat> so sometimes a person might escape for a couple of seconds to just catch a breath. And then back in again. <laughs> So this is the situation of Hiranyakashipu right now. He's having this fresh air just for a breath before he goes back into the jaws or, or, or the grip of the Lord. Um, now, even though sometimes we are acting or sometimes we can see how people are acting negative, there is a sense of, a sense of enjoyment or happiness that people get. Like people when they're acting People who are not devotees, let's say. But they seem to be enjoying. And sometimes devotees might wonder, you know, they're, they're having a good time, you know. They, they get to sleep in. They can wake up whenever they want. You know, they don't really have to like, no one is looking at them, making sure that they're chanted the 16 rounds. They're just free. They can go on Swanson Street and just choose any shop for their food. They can eat anything they want, like no restrictions. Um, they can go and enjoy any sport they want. They can hang out with guys, girls, anyone, anytime, anywhere, anyhow. It's all good, you know, there's no restrictions. So fun, you know, such a good life. And here I am stuck. <laughs> sometimes we might not say that, but sometimes we might feel, oh, I'm stuck now, I can't eat this very beautiful food on, on the street. You know, oh, these nice waffles, oh, here's a nice chocolate, this and that. Oh, I can't eat this anymore because now I'm a devotee. I, you know, what will devotees think of me if they see me eating this? You know, like, yeah. So, <clears throat> but then here is, look at these people. They're not devotees, but they're having a good time, you know. They're eating, they're doing everything that they want. But, but Prabhupada is saying that the foolish people might think <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a very foolish mentality to think that they are enjoying and that I'm suffering. Actually, that enjoyment is so temporary and, uh, and very quickly the material nature is going to get hold of them and going to get, they're going to get smashed. <laughs> so it's just a matter of time, you know. But... And when you ask them that, when you're, when you're having all this enjoyment, you know, like, how does it feel? And they say, yeah, this is so good. This is what I always wanted to do. 
you know, I just wanted to get some money so I can now do this and I can do that and I can go there and I can be with that person. And then you ask them, but how long is it going to last? And they're like, who cares? Who cares? I mean, like, I'm happy now, you know, like, and I mean, everyone suffers and I would also be one of them and so it's okay. As long as I'm not the only one to suffer, <laughs> then it's fine. Everyone else suffering, so I'm also suffering. And so therefore they don't really see that there is a problem in it. But I can't remember the, um, the I, actually I didn't get a chance to prepare, but there is this one quote in one of the um, purports where Prabhupada mentions that the happiness that you get out of material activities is actually a curse. <laughs> it's not a blessing. Because when you are acting materially and you are getting the happiness out of it, it will entangle you more. Because you would want the same happiness next time again by engaging in material activities. Whereas when material nature or Lord are compassionate or kind on that living entity, then they would give some suffering <laughs> in the material enjoyment that would help them become detached from the material activities. Otherwise, they will keep chasing the same activities again and again, remembering that I had the happiness once upon a time, so I can do it again, I can get the same happiness again. <clears throat> Maybe I need to do it slightly different. Maybe I need to do it with a different person. Maybe I need to do it in a different place. But it's the same thing. But they don't understand. So because, because of that curse of that material happiness that they received from the material engagement. So, as devotees, we should not be fooled by such kind of an apparent happiness, thinking that we are missing out on it. Actually, no, we are not missing out on it at all. Because the price that you pay for the happiness that you get from, from an intelligent point of view, from a, uh, not a foolish point of view, but from a, from, from a thoughtful person's perspective, is not worth it. So I remember one time I, I, I remember asking my spiritual master that what should you, when you, when you look at when you look at the uh, material enjoyment and the availability of the material enjoyment, how, how easily it's so accessible, how should you see it? What should be your perspective? And his answer was that you should see a price tag. So for every material enjoyment, there's a price tag. And in the moment when we are so bewildered by material enjoyment or bewildered by material energy and we don't really see a repercussions coming later, we might just want to go for it and have a good time right now, not worrying about what happens in the future. But we should learn to be able to hold back and see a price tag that the huge amount of price that I'm going to pay just a little later, uh, is that worth it or no? So, um, and we can see that in a book distribution, 
we meet a lot of time, a lot of people, and they say that when we try to approach them and give them the books, and we tell them that this is about meditation, this teaches you about happiness, and a lot of time people say that I'm already happy, and that I don't need these books, and that I don't need meditation, and I don't need any of your teachings. Again, it's a reminder that the material happiness can actually um, take us so much away from our true potential of what the happiness that we can get. So I, I like this. I, I like this line from what Luke Prabhu says, and I'm just gonna quote him on this one. So, you know, I remember many times we we met people like that who are who said that they are already happy. And I, I like this, what Prabhu mentioned, he was saying that, that well, you say that you are happy now because you don't have anything, you don't have any other reference point. But if you, once you have experienced a spiritual happiness, then you have a reference point, you have two different levels and you can see like, oh, this is where I am and that's where I was at one point by chanting or by being in that meditation with the other nice people or by having the spiritual food, and they have this reference point. And then you can compare whether you are actually happy or not. But until you experience something higher, you would really never know if that's all that you can get, or, or can there be anything more that you can receive. So, we are of course giving them that opportunity to experience spiritual happiness. Um, but how... I remember one time when, when you know, we, were, we were reading books and, and one small kid, he asked me this question, but what is spiritual happiness? You know, because we talk about the material happiness has the repercussions, but then, but then what is spiritual happiness? How, how do you define it? So, but before I say that, I want to hear from some of you. How would you define the spiritual happiness? What is it? Yes. By chanting. By chanting, but what? Okay, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Sure, anyone else? Yeah. Happiness without consequences. Happiness that has a meaning. Anyone else? Happiness in association of devotees, yeah, definitely. Any other thoughts? Yes. Lasting happiness. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, all of that. I think it's all right. I was thinking more in relation to our real self, in 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 connection with our real self, and in connection with our our source, in connection with Krishna. That's, that's real happiness, <clears throat> that's spiritual happiness. But a lot of time, it's very hard for people to have, you know, we have some glimpses of it every now and then. Krishna is very merciful to us, at least in the, in the very beginning of our Krishna consciousness. Where Krishna opens up that window and we get to see the spiritual world and how amazing that is and then he closes it again and he says, now you got to work for it to get that again. <clears throat> but so we have had some glimpses of it, but then a lot of time what can happen is that in our spiritual practices, 
in our spiritual lifestyle, sometimes we might get carried away in the flow of things, and we don't really put the necessary effort to go to the next level, to be able to experience that spiritual happiness. So, we can't be doing the same things over and over again and, uh, and hope that we're making an advancement. In the sense that when we are in school, in the, in the, when we are in year one, we learn one, two, three, four, five, six. But then later on, we learn the addition, then we learn the subtraction. And you know, we are leveling up. As we're growing up, we are also leveling up our learning. And in a year four or year five, is not expected to just know one, two, three, four, five. He's, able, he's, he's expected to know more. He must have learned um, deeper subject, uh, subject matter a bit more deeply. So in the same way, in the beginning of our Krishna consciousness, we might just learn some very simple, okay, at least chant one round, whatever you can, however you can, wherever you can. But we can't keep doing that month after month and year after year because that was good for the beginning, but then eventually our chanting will have to improve. Our devotional service will have to improve. Our, um, our depth in Krishna consciousness will have, to go, will have to improve. If we are not able to improve that, then sometimes we might feel that I'm practicing this for many months or even years, but I'm not really experiencing any, any spiritual happiness. And that is true because you have come forward in your schooling, but you haven't really come forward in your learning. So you, you feel sort of stuck. <clears throat> so I, I, now, I, was, I was talking to one devotee this morning, and I told him that, you know, you're, you're, you're chanting very nice, but you're missing some syllables in the mantra. And the devotee said, oh, but I can't chant too slow because then I won't finish my rounds. <laughs> and I thought that was interesting, and that's something that I've thought for many years. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I haven't stayed like that. Kids are nice because kids can be very straightforward. There is no filter there, so they just say things as they feel. We feel the same, but we have the filter, so we don't quite say like that, and, and we sort of go around it. But that was a very nice expression that, oh yeah, like, I will not be able to finish my rounds, you know, because if I don't chant quickly enough. So, but the problem is, if you chant quick enough, then yes, you get your chanting done. But the fact that if you don't, if you don't chant all your syllables clearly enough, then you never really get to experience the chanting. So, the chanting always remains this bunch of words, or syllables put together that you have to sort of murmur every day. And, and it becomes very uh, ritualistic, it becomes very mechanical. And uh, there are many devotees, when you're chanting there, and sometimes you, know, you hear the devotees and there are they're they're a few syllables missing, at least a couple of syllables missing from the mantra. Or sometimes the syllables are not quite pronounced right. But then, it really, you don't, you don't experience the chanting then. You really don't experience. And that's why people wonder, what is spiritual happiness <laughs> after many years, when actually they should have experienced by then. They should have experienced some spiritual happiness if they were practicing the chanting properly, if they were practicing Krishna consciousness properly. They should experience very soon. 
Um, it obviously goes deeper and deeper, but if someone is not sure what is spiritual happiness, even after a few years of practice, it usually means that our chanting needs improvement. And uh, so, instead of getting it done and getting it out of the way, so then we can do what we like to do. Um, if, we are, if, our, if our attitude is that now I'm going to try and do my best and, and really be attentive while I'm doing it, because anyway I have to do it, so might as well just do it with the best of my ability. <clears throat> and with that capacity we chant, then we experience spiritual happiness. It's the same thing when we are cooking, for example, the mentality can be, or I can quickly finish and quickly do the offering so then I can eat. <laughs> and I'm going to cook this because I really want to eat this, so I'm just going to quickly take it through Krishna's plate and, <laughs> and like quickly give it to him and then right back to me. <clears throat> With that mentality, the, the offering remains very shallow. You know, the preparation and the actual process of offering and, you know, Krishna becomes almost like, a, like, a, like an antiseptic agent, you know, removing your karma. But it's not really, it's not really, that's not really quite that same level of prasadam or same quality of prasadam as it would have been if you offered Krishna with, uh, with some devotion, with some love. But when we, when we, when we, um, do the same activities of Krishna consciousness, with association, books, chanting, prasadam, all these activities. But when we do it with that right understanding, as we spend more and more time in Krishna consciousness, if we try to improve our depth and, uh, and quality of it, we will see that our, we are actually experiencing spiritual happiness. And, uh, and that helps us somewhat become detached from the material enjoyment. So at the moment when we see uh, some of the people who are not devotees and we see that how oh, they're having such a good time, but when we have experienced the spiritual happiness in our own lives, <clears throat> then we can see in others that even when they say that they are so happy and that they are actually having a good time, a devotee who is experiencing the spiritual happiness, who has, some, who has had some depth in Krishna consciousness, you can see that actually that person is suffering. So that's why many times Prabhupada would look at them and, and, and you know, when there, there, were, there, were, there were a couple of instances where Prabhupada, there was one time when Prabhupada was um, driving past after a program and they was driving past one area and um, it was night time, and that area was like a little dark, and there was some men and women, and they engaged in the activities. And when Prabhupada saw that, and all the devotees like, oh, you know, the, all the devotees, the soldiers, and they like, they turned around immediately, like so bad, and they, you know, they, oh, this karmis, you know, no sense, you know, they, they're just like wasting their time, and they're all looking at Prabhupada. What is Prabhupada going to respond? And so Prabhupada looks at them, and, and then he doesn't say anything. And after a while, devotees see that he has like tears flowing from his eyes. Because Prabhupada was actually feeling sorry for them. That these people, even when they say that they're enjoying, actually they're suffering. And, 
and they have no clue what real happiness is. So that's, I mean, that's the gold standard of Krishna consciousness. But <clears throat> we can see, we can see at least for ourselves how um, we don't want to be bewildered by such kind of a material, illusory material happiness, thinking that this is so good. But we want to go deeper in our own Krishna consciousness and uh, allow ourselves, give ourselves the opportunity to experience spiritual happiness. I'm just checking if I missed anything from the purport. Okay, so thank you very much for your kind attention. Is there any questions or comments or corrections? Yes, Mr. So we shouldn't be attached to anything material, but it's okay for us to be attached to spiritual happiness, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We are, <clears throat> but we are not so much attached to our own spiritual happiness. That's not our driving force for acting in Krishna consciousness. But it's a, it's a byproduct of our practice in spiritual life. So there are times when we practice Krishna consciousness actually say that the super soul is in the heart of every living entity and by engaging in Krishna consciousness the super soul is pleased and because it's right next to the soul the soul is also pleased and becomes happy so yes naturally we feel the consequence of a, of a, of a Krishna conscious day by the end of it we feel very happy we feel tired and we feel happy and that's a perfect day when you're completely finished you're ready to you just go to bed and you sleep immediately just because you're tired you've done so many things and that you're happy and that now you no more anxiety and you can just sleep but at the same time our focus is is krishna's pleasure is krishna's happiness <clears throat> so that is spiritual happiness is krishna's pleasure it's not about me it's about krishna so if that requires that i might be a little bit inconvenienced then we take that because after all, Krishna is happy. So. And how do you know? How do we know when Krishna is happy versus when we are happy? Versus when we are happy. That's a very common question, yeah. Well, if you followed the process properly, then obviously Krishna is happy. We can always discuss that with other devotees, our mentors, other seniors, other devotees. We can discuss what we did. And they can confirm, or they can probably guide and suggest on things that we can improve at. And uh, but yeah, if you if you if you practice it properly, you know. Yeah, we we know when we when we practiced with all our sincerity, with all our heart, and we did what we could, then we know that we did our best. Obviously, we can always do more, but. When we did it right, then we know. Krishna tells us, uh, yeah. <laughs> and 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 that's that's good, that's good, and we can always improve on it after that.
Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna Prabhu, thank you for the nice class. Uh, you mentioned that you know, when <clears throat> the materialist people who are devoid of knowledge, they enjoy these material pleasures, and their excuse is that you know, everyone else is doing it. You know, if I'm suffering, everyone else is suffering. Who cares? And also, if you have knowledge, you understand that's, you know, that's a very foolish way to think. But sometimes we also see that devotees kind of um, enjoying these material things as well. You know, they're doing devotional service at the same time. They're perhaps maybe eating outside or doing other material activities. And when we see devotees, especially who are maybe a little bit more senior to us or more advanced to us doing those things as well, how do we kind of see that? How do we kind of understand um, uh, that we won't do the same thing or that, you know, how do we yeah. protect ourselves from that? Well, I mean, ISKCON is such a big society that you get to see all kinds of examples that you want to see. You want to see the example of devotees who have been practicing longer than us and sort of engaged somewhat, if loosely is the word, but maybe just like a bit more bit more relaxed, having a bit more of a relaxed program. And devotees are very strictly following the process that Prabhupada gave them. And uh, that they're so committed after so many decades or years. So we get to see both kinds of examples. So there are devotees that, oh, such and such person does it, so I can also do it. Sure. But then you also get to see the good examples and, uh, and, and the whole question is whom are we going to take our inspiration from? So we have, at least we know in Melbourne, for sure, there's no excuse to say that, oh, I don't see any good examples of seniors. We have, we have some very amazing senior devotees who set such a high standard that we can spend our rest of our life trying to catch up with them. <laughs> so that's what we take our inspiration from. And the individuals who are having their own relaxed program are, are, are people who, 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 might, who might not be actually fully following the process, how Prabhupada wanted it, how, how, how devotees wanted. Um, it's, it's up to them and Krishna. So we are no one to judge and we have no one to correct them. And it'd be very hard to judge based on just one or two instances. Oh, I saw that person there and I, he must be doing this or that. And, you know, it's, unless you know the person or the devotee, we can't even comment for sure on that person. And we should not. <clears throat> so a lot of time, I know many, many senior devotees and it might appear that, you know, okay, they're, they're not practicing properly. But no, actually, they're, they're very strong in the process and the practices. And uh, so, yeah, we should never judge the book by its cover. And, uh, and for us, we should see what would inspire us in going to the next level. Is that okay? Yes, ma'am. Just look at mic. Hare Krishna, thank you. Um, just on that one, actually, sometimes if you're like working outside or something, or if your family is not uh, practicing that seriously, just to, to kind of keep maintain the peace, um, you sometimes a devotee sometimes might have to eat out, you no know, like non-prasadam places, 
like at my workplace they do socials like every Friday but I can't like avoid all Fridays you know because then they feel bad it, it just you know it you know it puts them off so sometimes you're kind of you don't like to do that as a devotee you know but sometimes you can't always get away with it if, if you're in that like work environments or even at home you know where you know your relatives you know they want to kind of see you and meet you and they bring food for you and it's not necessarily prasadam and you have to honor it yeah so yeah thank you yes we have to we have to see the time place and circumstance and uh, we should take guidance okay so thank you very much Krantrachimad Bhagavatam ki jai Shrabhapada ki jai. Hare Krishna. Sri Rupang 